Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Adam Whitlam from BMO's fixed income sales team. This week's episode is titled Two-Faced Data. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep the show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Adam, welcome back to the show. It's been four months. I can count on my fingers uh, since you last came here. And well, it's New Year. That feels like five lifetimes ago, those four months. Every day is a lifetime for you. That's the secret. That's true. Uh, (laughs) Adam does a lot of different things here. And so that uh, at times can be taxing. Big Canada next week. So there's there's lots to talk about. and, And the data flow over the past... I don't know, kind of as long as you want to talk about it, uh, has been has been very entertaining and, and eventful and, and driven pretty big market swings. We got another one today with GDP. And I think from quickly on, the, I think the bank is pretty straightforward, so there's not much point in dwelling too much on them. But they put the conditional pause in place in, in January. Everything is, has really just reinforced that uh, CPI was on the soft side last week, not super soft, but soft enough. GDP growth came in flat, which was meaningfully weaker than expected. And so that also argues for the pause there. And and the only thing that's the, on the other side has been been the really big job print. But that's clearly not enough. And uh, we don't even get the next job number till a couple of days after the bank. So it, it's pretty clear at this point they're going to they're going to be on hold. I guess the question that I would have, let's hear your opinion on this, is are they going to reinforce this conditional pause? Are they going to are they going to keep that language? Uh, or are they going to maybe stress a little bit more that the door is still open to further hikes, given the data flow over the past four to six weeks and the fact that the market is pricing a bit more for the bank at this point and, and even more for the Fed? I got to think that they're, you know, if I'm the Bank of Canada, if I'm Acklem, I'm scratching my head a little bit with some to some of the resiliency of the data. But there have been some encouraging signs, like you were kind of alluding to, you're getting a little bit both ways. Some items have been a little bit slower, but you've seen kind of persistent strength. I think the concerning thing is the persistent strength is in sectors like the labor market where, uh, you know, if that remains persistently strong, that's just going to provide a feedback loop into higher inflation, which is just going to provide a, you know, wage growth inflation, which is just going to put you right back into a scenario where you're forced to continue raising rates. I think at this point, they're probably going to lean uh, on the narrative of waiting to see the full impact of the data after the rate hikes that they've put through. I think a conditional pause is still fair. I mean, you, you kind of have the impetus in there. It's a conditional pause. So, you know, should the data continue to come in strong, they're going to give themselves that flexibility. I think in their inaugural minutes that came out, I, I would say I was a little surprised when they were kind of contemplating between zero and 25 at that point. I know, you know, from reading those minutes, it didn't seem like it was too serious a contemplation on the zero, the no rate 
hike camp. It seemed much more heavily skewed from the evidence side toward 25 basis points. But, you know, I think the market in general was a little surprised that it was even on the table. So, you know, maybe at that point they were already a little closer to that conditional pause. So I think it would be hard to see them pivot already. Um, I'm sure they wish they could see the U.S jobs data before they had to make that decision. But, you know, I, March, we know nothing's going to happen then. And, uh, you know, should the labor market in Canada continue to be pretty resilient, I, I think April could very much be in play. I think the bigger question there is, okay, so if April is a possibility, how much further could we go? I mean, we know that terminal in the U.S. has been ticking higher in 2023. And so what's that divergence level look like? How many beeps between the Fed and the Bank of Canada uh, is too much. And so, you know, if we get three hikes from the Fed, three more hikes from the Fed this year in 2023, is that okay for the Bank of Canada to remain on hold? Or does that start to force their hand a little bit? Uh, and, you know, do they start considering 25 basis points just based on that differential? That's where it gets challenged. So right now, uh, that, that differential's around 65 to 70 basis points. I think you're probably five to 10 beeps too high there at the moment. Um, so that that third hike, so if you were to get the Fed going to five and a quarter to five and a half, and the bank's still at 450, that's going to be challenging for the Canadian dollar, and then in turn for the inflation profile for Canada. Uh, and and uh, as much as, as Deputy Governor Beaudry talked about the bank being seemingly agnostic to the direction of the Canadian dollar, noting that there are benefits to a weaker Canadian dollar from the, the production export side and benefits from a stronger Canadian dollar to consumers who buy imported goods and, and that lowers inflation. Uh, I, I just have trouble believing it's, it's they're, they're that agnostic. And, and the reality is, is that a weaker Canadian dollar means higher inflation and they're battling inflation. So that's got to be the way that they are least comfortable. And so uh, there there is a limit there. And the other way to look at it, and I think this is probably even more important than just the currency is like if the Fed continues to raise rates. So the next Fed meeting, it's March and then May and then June. If the Fed is still hiking in June, the economy's probably in pretty good shape by then. If the U.S. is in good shape by the middle of the year, Canada's probably okay. And if Canada's still doing okay by mid-year, yeah, rate hikes are certainly, you got to think they're on the table. I mean, what the bank wants to see and we saw that a little bit this morning with the fourth quarter GDP report is a consistent string of below potential GDP growth. And so that means probably one and a half percent or less growth. And they'd probably prefer the less rather than uh, close to one and a half percent. Potentials in that that one and a half to two percent range. Uh, we'll, we'll see where they reevaluate it in April, but it's probably going to be around there, give or take. 0% GDP growth is a pretty good step down the path toward uh, narrowing the excess demand in the economy, which is exactly what they want to do. That's how they believe they're going to push inflation back down to 2%. So like these are these are important steps. If you're getting the Fed hiking in June, that means the first and second quarter probably look pretty good, which is at least close to potential, you'd think. Uh, not working down that excess demand as, as much as, they, as the bank wants to see and, and probably means a little bit more of an inflation impulse and, and probably a stronger labor market. So all that stuff, like you put that all together, hard to see the bank lagging the Fed all that much. The only exception to that would be if if housing takes another huge step down or uh, the, the higher debt burdens in Canada just cause us to suddenly hit a wall uh, and, and, and things just all of a sudden go off a cliff. But 
I don't know if we are going to get a, a Wiley Coyote type moment, or as we discussed earlier, uh, you noted Thelma and Louise, where we just kind of drive off the cliff and then we're going for a little bit and then we go straight down, or if it's just going to be a gentle slowdown and, and we get growth around kind of zero-ish or sub 1% for a few quarters, which is exactly what the doctor ordered and exactly what Macklem ordered. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I don't know yet. And I think that the, data, the jury's still out. Data are all over the place, and and that that's made it really hard uh, to to know exactly what's going to come next. But uh, strong job number next week, and April is on the table. I think. I got to say, the trend I think in in Canada and in life in general at this point has been more of the Thelma and Louise variety. I don't know if that's if that's the the advent of you know, mobile stock trading platforms and meme stocks and, uh, you know, wildly higher excess spending or maybe it's on-demand entertainment. I'm not sure. But everything seems to be spend until the money is, it's not just gone, it's it's you're in the hole. You're, you're you know, in the red. And so same with the Canadian market. When we're trading, you know, you look at the liquidity in, in the backs pit. You look at the extremes that we get. You know, we were talking a little bit about some of the inversion that we had in the curve as we were still hiking rates, you know, when last time I was on here, we had, you know, M3, M4 boxes inverted by 150 beeps, uh, which, you know, we were pounding the table. That made no sense. And it's moved 100 basis points by now, but it's the same thing. Everything gets way over its skis. So so I, I think this data could remain uh, surprisingly resilient and then really drop off hard. I'm, I'm going to take the other side of that a little bit. I, I think jobs next week will be bad. I mean, I'm, I'm very open to being wrong because this is just kind of my my gut feeling based on how I read the, the numbers from January. Uh, but I, I think it was I think it was more a, a lack of firing than strong hiring that drove the January numbers. And, and February is a strong month for hiring. If I'm right and it was lack of firing rather than hiring in January that drove things and Feb won't look nearly as good. I think it'll be it'll it should look pretty bad on both sides of the border. And that will probably undo, I think, a lot of what we've seen Oh, in, in the market, at least over the past six weeks or so. I mean, everything, everything over the past month has really been driven by that job number, the monster job number in the U.S., and then Canada reinforced that, and it was like, uh-oh, rates need, might need to go way, way higher. And and so if I'm wrong, and, and uh, again, very, very open to that, uh, if I am wrong, then watch out. Like, you get another big payroll number, another big Canada jobs number, just like <laughs> for everything. I think it's all assets, every asset, every asset class, everything. Rates go bananas higher. The talk will be immediately Bank Canada talk will be about five percent. Fed talk will be about six percent. Sell off across the rate curve globally. I would expect risk assets get annihilated on the back of that almost for sure. And and just like watch out. I, I think that that's. I mean, as much as you want to see good job growth and everyone being happy and all that kind of stuff, like oh man, that that might be a, a, a not a, a friendly scenario for for markets generally and. Uh, some somewhat punishing, I suspect. So, well, equity risk premiums are sitting at what? What are what are uh, PE ratios and S and P's are around eighteen times, probably comparable to pre dot com levels. So maybe it's time for some repricing in equity risk relative to bond yields. The bonds look very attractive at this point. They're not that bad. I don't, I don't think P's are as not 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 pre dot com type insanity, but um, they're not. They're not cheap. How about that? I think that's that. That would be the way to look at them. They're not. They're not cheap. I don't know if they fully adjust to where rates are. They might just be pricing a more positive economic backdrop, a more positive economic outlook, where 
uh, we don't go into recession and, and growth just kind of continues on. We get this magical soft landing or no landing or whatever you want to call it. And things actually turn out okay. And in that scenario, well, maybe they should be here. And then when things, when we realize that we actually realize that outcome, stocks then go higher, risk assets then improve from there. And the resiliency in the stock market and from a Canada perspective in particular, the grinding, tightening and provincial spreads uh, has really, really been notable, really impressive. The, the, like is, is what else is behind the, the move in, in provincial spreads? Uh, since I'm not, I'm not going to relate those to the S P 500, but um, I'm, I'm sure it's more to it than than just that. Well, yeah, I mean, part of it is what we were just talking about, which is just the the relentless rise in yields since we've seen since the beginning of February. All ins are more attractive. You have, uh, you know, you have say take the the leveraged buyer or the L D I buyer, where discount rates have been rising at the same time as as yields have been rising as well. So at this point, you know, funded statuses have been improving. It's time to lock stuff in by actually buying some credit by buying some rates. So that's been supportive for our market. We've seen a ton of buying into the sell off and. That's been one of the driving factors on Provi spreads. We've gone through a period now with a pretty decent drought in supply. Uh, we haven't seen a long provincial deal in... I can't remember. It's been, <laughs> been at least two weeks, if not longer than that. And so on the back of that, we've had kind of consistent buying. A lot of that's been coming through real money demand. A lot of it's been focused in the kind of 20 to 25 year part of the curve. Uh, and it's been it's been regular. It's been clips of 10 to 15 million, a few different lines every single day from a few different accounts. And that's having a real impact. So the dealer community uh, in particular has gotten fairly short some of this 20 to 30 year product. Uh, and so they've been doing some hedging with some 30 year stuff, but there really isn't much out there to buy. There aren't any clients that have been unloading 30 years that actively. Uh, and that's been causing the 10s, 30s Ontario box to flatten a lot. We got, I think the wide was probably 25.4, maybe 25 and a half. Uh, and that was when the Canada curve was, you know, I mean, I think that point is negative four. You know, today it's negative 12 and a half. And that credit box has actually flattened. Uh, and that's just a result of there's just no supply. Uh, I've seen a couple of sellers as we kind of crack through that sort of 92 area in Long Ontario's. There's been a couple of sellers who have been willing to kind of come in and test the waters, uh, but it just keeps grinding tighter. So until we actually do see one of these issuers tap the market, it's tough to see the market give here. Uh, I will say Provies are looking a little rich relative to even to corporates. Uh, I think Provies have kind of been outperforming corporates in the long end for the last week or so. Uh, so they're starting to get a little expensive. But, uh, you know, now we're down around 91 and a half. And unless we get a deal, I just don't see that changing. Yeah, no, no, no supply is problematic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the start of budget season. So um, supply might remain pretty sparse in the near term. We get we get Alberta and, and BC this afternoon. Uh, it's, it's it's Tuesday afternoon, different from our regular Wednesday recording day. But uh, uh, those two budgets are out this afternoon. Uh, Alberta might say they're never issuing again. I don't know who knows. Uh, BC, I'm sure they'll have they'll have some issuance. They're expected to go back into deficit, but still won't won't be a huge issue either. And and Ontario and Quebec are in really good shape, and so like their their budgets are, are still a couple weeks away. But there could be nothing between now and then, or, or maybe one or two deals, but not not a lot. And if you Consider the, the the macro backdrop. So the, over the past year, inflation has been the story. But what that inflation does is it, it really inflates nominal GDP, which inflates tax revenues. Uh, that does get bled away through kind of higher wage settlements with, uh, with with public sector workers and that kind of thing, but not entirely. Uh, and so the 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 
starting point for a lot of these budgets for the coming year is is pretty darn good. Uh, and so if, if there's any spending restraint at all, uh, issuance profiles could be pretty restrained for the next year or so. Uh, and so that supply, again, that supply side of things might be meaningful and, and the historical dearth of long end paper in Canada might return. That might be a, a, a topic that we, we start talking about a little bit more uh, after the pandemic changed that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, how that pans out in, in budget season. We'll get the federal budget as well. Probably at some point in the next month that, that can spill in April, but uh, uh, some point this, this month seems more likely. And, and we'll see how their issuance profile changes. They, uh, they give it to us once a year in the debt management strategy. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on that front. Well, that brings us to my favorite portion of the show. Adam, what is your current favorite trade idea? Uh, well, I'm I'm relieved that after I think 46 episodes of this podcast, I can finally say I don't hate fives on the curve anymore. So that took a very long time, but yes, we've seen a nice backup in twos, fives, tens. You know, I think we're going to see a little bit of a bounce there. I think longer term, I actually probably will continue to sell off. I think the belly still looks long term expensive, uh, but you know, we're kind of up against 100 moving day average in that twos, fives, tens curve. So if you did have that short, which I think in swaps at the low was negative 94, negative 95. Uh, I think it's time to take that back, you know, look to reload it maybe at, at uh, more negative levels. I think as of now, we're probably in around minus 76. So I'd look to take that off, especially as we go into, uh, into the index extension, which we have kicking off tomorrow. I mean, it's not huge, but it's going to be more belly focused in that mids curve. Uh, so it should be a net positive for fives. You should see some buying of tens too, but it should be a net positive for fives. Also, you know, the theory has been on mortgage creation as that's been lacking some of the bank treasuries. We've seen a decent amount of receiving in the belly. Uh, I was looking at this over the last couple of months uh, for anybody who reads what I write, looking at this for the last few months. And there seems to have been a trend for twos, fives flattening from kind of the start of the month to about the mid of the month for the last few months. So we'll see if that it comes back again, if there's any duration replacement in fives. We are also going through bank earnings. And so that does open up a potential five-year bail-in issuance from a couple of different banks. And so, you know, that would be obviously a net positive for the five-year sector. So I'd probably look to come out of today and tomorrow long fives on the curve. I also like, I still like the front end. Still the front end offers a lot of good value. Uh, One-year OIS, I mean, as of yesterday, uh, you know, if the algos were really pushing around the backs curve, you got one year OS, I think as cheap as 483 at one point. I think that's a decent receive. I mean, at that point, you've got your extra 25 basis points baked in uh, to the Bank of Canada. So, you know, if you can get something on kind of in that context, anything 480-ish on a sell-off in the front end, uh, I think you receive it. Um, I think that's kind of a worthwhile trade. That's actually higher than where most of the uh, bank gaps are. So uh, I'd look to receive that as well. What do you think about the twos tens curve and, and the tens thirties curve here? Twos tens hit nega hundred two weeks ago, and there's been lots of pressure in tens since then. And 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 similarly, tens thirties that pressure in ten is flat, and tens thirties is really hard. So what 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 are your thoughts there? Is is that move going to continue, or or is that just kind of a flash in the pan, and we're going to revisit the, the flat levels we, we saw in twos tens and, and go back to zero-ish in, in tens thirties? I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think for the time being, it's going to continue. I think twos tens has got more room to go. If anything, I'd say, you know, given the flows that are kind of out there broadcast in the market, the re-steepening we've had in twos tens really hasn't been that drastic. And we've actually seen some really good two-way. I mean, there's been, there's been some pretty chunky um, selling going on in the sector, but it's been balanced by 
an enormous amount of block buying going on in the futures pit. So, you know, I think at this point, you didn't have a situation where the market was all caught one way, or I think you would have seen a much more drastic move in that curve. You've seen a lot more two-way, uh, which which to me suggests that, that you know, you could see it kind of continue to steepen out from here, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a huge move. Uh, 10s, 30s, is looking very expensive at this point. It's looking expensive on a cross-market basis. Uh, you know, we kind of broke through that negative 10 level on the cross-market box uh, and have been kind of uh, oscillating, you know, more like negative 11 and a half, almost negative 12. Uh, even outright, I mean, at this point, we're kind of neg 13. It feels a little bit like stepping in front of a train uh, because it does seem to be going kind of one direction. Uh, but there is a there is a remaining bid for duration out there and there's still kind of the flows, two-way flows in 10. So I think that could keep going. And then tens feels like some duration shorts against some some curve longs, and, and that they've just offset each other nicely, and that's why the move hasn't been maybe as, as punishing as it usually is mm-hmm. for, for a Canadian market move when we usually everyone gets run over at the same time. Uh, tens thirties for sure. Uh, the box I prefer to fade at like twenty neg twenty uh, rather than neg ten. We're kind of like middle of the middle of the range from the past year or so. So if you were if you were long Canada against the U.S flattening Canada against the U.S., then, then maybe now's a good time to take that off. Uh, and then, then we continue to run here, and, and that, that 10s, 30s freight train keeps going. Uh, then then you then you fade it closer to negative 20. I think that, that's uh, probably more, more of a no-brainer. But but outright, I mean, if you got if you got patience and, and no one's going to tap you on the shoulder, it's hard to, hard, to, hard to think that steepening here at 10s, 30s and at neg 10, 12, 15 uh, is, is a bad trade if you can just sit in it for a while. I guess we'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Mr. Willem. And uh, I look forward to having you back. Thanks so much, Benny. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.